Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This past April, Burna Boy was the first ever African artist to perform and sell out Madison Square Garden. About an hour and a half into his performance, his energy is higher than ever as two guitarists jam out behind him. Then another guy hands Burna Boy a brand new $10,000 guitar. The momentum is going up and up as Burna Boy waves to the crowd to match his energy. And then he tucks his mic into his pants and grabs the guitar by two hands and smashes it four times as the crowd goes wild. Burna Boy is a rock star. And if anyone had missed the memo before then, they definitely got it that night. Today on Vice News Reports, we're talking about Afrobeats and why a genre that's been around for a long time is just now attracting the attention of a Western white audience and being dubbed as a success. African music is exploding onto the world stage. The genre exported from Africa is now burning up the charts, but some of the songs now popular came out months or even years ago. Africa has never been so lit as it is right now. You know, one thing that we know, because it's always been the case, is that, you know, great creatives will come out of the continent. I'm Ariel Zimras. And I'm Dick Wafalian, Senior Editor of Vice World News. And this is Vice News Reports. Today on Vice News Reports, I'm joined by Deepo Fellian. Deepo recently published a book in the UK, and in it he talks about Afrobeats, which is at the center of this huge conversation right now. But before we get into all that, we have to understand how Afrobeats even started. So Deepo, can you just walk me through it? I think the thing is that you can't really talk about Afrobeats without talking about the legendary Nigerian musician Fela Kuti who coined the term Afrobeat. Like one of the latest songs I'm singing now, I said, teacher, don't teach me nonsense. Now I was trying to let my people see, because in Africa, people respect teachers. Right, and Fela was most known for making political music. But you're talking about Afrobeat, which I know is different from the genre that we know today as Afrobeats with an S. Yeah, um, Afrobeat is synonymous with Fela himself. To understand how he created Afrobeat, you have to kind of go back to the beginning of his musical story. Fela was born in Nigeria, but moved to London uh, in the 1950s to study medicine. Studying medicine didn't really work out too well for him. Hmm. Um, So a few years later, he moved back to Nigeria, where he tried to become a musician full time. 
in those early days, things didn't quite kick off for him. So he, he traveled around a bit, um, especially to Ghana, um, where he learned from a lot of the local music scene, especially Ghanaian high life. Um, mm. And with that, he sort of found his musical footing. Uh, he combined Ghanaian high life with traditional Nigerian sounds, as well as jazz and salsa and calypso. And he created a special new music that he called Afrobeat. Um, mm. And that really is why it's incredibly synonymous with him, because it's a style that, that came from his inspiration, came from his mind, um, and came from the, the scenes that he loved the most. Right. I mean, I've so I've listened to some of Fellow's music and it is like extremely specific in terms of its influences. It really is a mishmash of 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 jazz, especially, you know, there's a lot going on there. There's a huge amount going on. You know, Fella, his music is incredibly personal to him. Um, you know, he created something that he felt could get people thinking about the circumstances that they lived in while also being entertained and, and feeling good as well. You know, it, it, it all came from his own, his own mind and his own spirit. And so I think that's why when people think about Afrobeat, you know, they only think of one man. One thing that I was inspired by was the political movements that he saw um, in his time recording in Los Angeles, um, you know, during the civil rights movement. And he wanted to take a little bit of that back to Nigeria to understand what Nigeria was like in the early 60s and 70s. Nigeria had only just won independence, um, but it was a difficult fight. The British had colonized Nigeria um, and had created a lot of instability within the country to make it harder for Nigerians to come together to fight for their independence. Um, so at the time of independence, Nigeria was politically a very, very difficult place um, where ethnic groups were struggling to find coherence in a national identity. And that led to a lot of political instability and it led to the promotion of, of strong men who basically spent their time fighting for power um, to only enrich themselves and their own ethnic group. Um, and it was that sort of selfishness and power hungriness that Fela wanted his music to speak against. You are going to sing with us. And what Fela was singing against was this power hungriness, the desperation for political leaders to enrich themselves and their ethnic groups. But because our own kind of spiritualism is not accepted by the hierarchy, we call, our, we call it the underground spiritual game. And through this message and through this creation of this new genre of music, Fela becomes huge, right? He becomes massive. You know, he he's the voice of the people. Through his music, he does what a lot of other people are way too afraid to do, you know, to speak up against the military dictatorships, to speak to what the future of the country really should be. And so through Fela, people felt like they had someone who was unlike the leaders of the time, speaking about the issues that mattered most to them. And it was something that Fela inherited from his mother, Fumilayo, who in her early life had led revolutions throughout 
large parts of Nigeria, especially to help working class people and women. And is Fela the biggest artist at this point? Are there other West African artists who emerged around this time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Fela was certainly emerging as the biggest, but he got his inspiration from large numbers of other African countries, from other musicians. And he, you know, was someone who was always willing to acknowledge, you know, his inspirations. And also there were major music festivals happening um, throughout Africa that was trying to bring back the diaspora to the continent. Um, mm-hmm. There was a big one that featured Tina Turner. And so I think, you know, this was, he was certainly part of a rich tradition across the continent. But through his political stances, he was emerging as a leading voice at that time. Okay, so the Afrobeat becomes huge. It becomes totally, like it is totally a thing. And album after album, Fella is a star, but he also makes way for others. Everybody say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Fella created this universe around him throughout the 80s and the early 90s. And you kind of saw it through his band, which grew larger and larger. He created a sort of a commune within Lagos that welcomed artists and musicians, which he called the Kalakuta Republic. And the republic he considered to be independent from Nigeria, though obviously the Nigerian government did not consider that to be real. His drummer, Tony Allen, helped popularize Afro-funk, which included elements of hip-hop, dub, and electronica. And then his family were also part of his movement. And his son, Femi, also became a huge star in his own right. Okay, so... You know, his legacy is really, really established at this point, right? Afrobeat is a household name in West Africa. That said, I don't really know what was going on in terms of the politics around that time, right? How has the politics of Nigeria shifted by the time Fela dies? What state is the country in four decades post-independence from the British? It's not great, to be honest. Um, By the late 1990s, Nigeria had experienced nearly three decades of military rule. Um, the most recent rule at that time was under a man called General Sonia Bacha, um, who, in terms of the most recent dictators, probably was the hardest on political activists um, and had gone a huge way in silencing any activism. You know, in the early 60s, there was a real opportunity for Nigerians to define themselves and to define their nation and the future of their country. The political situation in Nigeria at the time was incredibly difficult. Nigeria had endured year after year of military rule. And it not only affected the average person, it affected all activists who were speaking out against the government, especially Fela. Fela was the loudest voice, the one that really inspired people to think about how they were being treated by the ruling class. And so because of that, the government consistently targeted Fela. And that was one of the things that Fela lived through and other people saw Fela living through, which made them reluctant to come forward and speak out against the government. But internally, people were really struggling. You know, they lost a lot of hope in the future of Nigeria and their own personal roles in shifting that future. But by the 1990s, it felt like that had been stolen away, that a succession of military rulers had taken away the ability for Nigerians to really speak to their own culture, to decide who they wanted to be, to decide their own national identity for themselves. 
Fella had done a huge amount of work in the decades since to to try and push back against the military rule and the government and the, and the, and the general corruption that had engripped Nigeria. But it was just too much work for one man to do. Okay, in 1997, Fela dies. Given that sort of culture-dampening effect of of politics in Nigeria in the 90s, how do you go from something so vibrant and so political as the Afrobeat to the Afrobeats that we know today? How did that shift happen? It took some time. As I said, by the late 1990s, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists really weren't looking to represent Nigeria. You know, they were looking abroad. They were, they wanted to leave the country and see if they could make it abroad. And so to do that, they often mimicked uh, what they were seeing in Western media, especially in the US. So you had a lot of Nigerian artists, uh, you know, rapping and singing in American accents, uh, dressing as if, you know, they grew up in Los Angeles or New York. And so there wasn't really much in terms of representing what it meant to be Nigerian or West African or Yoruba or Igbo. Um, everyone was looking externally. But then that shift sort of came when a few artists, including uh, Debange and Two-Face in the early 2000s, decided to start looking back towards Nigeria, to sing and rap in Nigerian accents, to, to, to speak their local dialects, and to really represent what it was like for them growing up in Nigeria. And that's when we started to see a shift towards Afrobeat to Afrobeats. That's after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. So maybe this is the right time for me to ask you, what exactly is Afrobeats? Afrobeats is different to Afrobeat um, in the sense that it's less about politics and about social change. And it's more about people just having a good time. The earliest usage of the term was by DJ Abranti, um, who's described as a London-based DJ by The Guardian. 
Um, now, he's normally given the credit for coining Afrobeats, but it's not really credit that he wants. It's inspired by sort of jazz elements and hip hop elements. Um, but a lot of the artists really are just focused on young people, trying to get them excited to, to lift their spirits, um, to make them feel like there's like they have control over their own environment and have real hope. So Afrobeat, where that was specific to Fela and his calls for political and social and economic change within Nigeria, Afrobeat is all about one thing, uh, which is to party. Could you, just to kind of situate us for a second, could you talk about the major artists who marked the beginning and then the spread of Afrobeats? Yeah, so it started really for Nigerians with artists like uh, Two-Face and Debange. Who were the first ones to start to try and represent local culture. Um, They stayed away generally from politics and just wanted to create music that would encourage people to just have a good time. And then from there, we had artists like Wizkid, Burner Boy, Tiwa Savage, Six five. who really took Afrobeats international. Yeah, Tiwa Savage. She sang backup for Mary J. Blige for a number of years and then and then became famous with her own music, right? Like now people call her the queen of Afrobeats. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Tiwa Savage is really interesting because like, she's been around for a long time um, and she's really been working at at her craft for a really long time. Um, and women have been key to Afrobeats. Um, and in the evolution of Afrobeats, you know, women have been central um, to seeing the success of Afrobeats, both within the country and externally as well. Now, what you've seen in the years since are artists like Tiwa Savage and Thames, um, who's dubbed the princess of Afrobeats, really emerge and in many ways really lead the scene. So... What stage are we at today? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, but Afrobeats is as strong as it's ever been. Um, Burner Boy recently sold out Madison Square Garden. Um, we've had Whiskid and DeVito and Burner sell out the O2 in London. Um, Thames, Whiskid, Burner have recently been nominated for Grammys. Burner actually won a Grammy. It was recently announced that there's going to be an Afrobeats billboard chart. Um, You know, Afrobeats really is uh, probably the Mm. single biggest cultural phenomenon uh, on the continent at the moment. And, you know, it only looks like it's going to go from strength to strength. You know, it's sort of a fascinating time because, generally speaking, when I think about the global export of music from African countries, traditionally, I think of it being stolen or appropriated, but we're not talking about that right now. No, you're right. And I think that the reason why is because this is something that's being led by Nigerian artists and and artists from across the region. You know, it's not something that's being um, that's being led thousands of miles away um, or it's being concocted uh, in a studio somewhere to try and create what people who've never been to the region believe is an African sound. We've seen, uh, for example, um, during the uh, World Cup that came to South Africa. You know, the, the official song was not performed by an African artist. And I think that the idea that something like that 
would happen again in the future um, isn't possible, you know, with the success we're seeing of Afrobeats. Mm. I think traditionally in in films and in popular culture, you know, when we think about, um, you know, quote unquote African music, it's very sort of traditional, heavy drums, you know, people chanting in nondescript Swahili, um, as we sort of see in the beginning of The Lion King. Um, whereas this is different, you know, it's led by artists um, on the continent. You've already mentioned that one of the big differences between Afrobeat, fellas, Afrobeat, and Afrobeats is sort of a the fact that Afrobeats isn't focused on being political, right? Do you think that that contributes to Afrobeats' success? It's a complicated question to ask, right? But I, I am wondering, like, it's apolitical nature. Do you think that has helped? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think Afrobeats came at a time when people, especially in Nigeria, young people who had sort of lost a lot of hope in the country, just wanted to feel good. Um, and it certainly served that purpose. Um, and we've we've seen examples of Afrobeat artists um, choosing to you know, go political, all the major um, Afrobeat artists, uh, you know, Thames, Wizkid, Burner, Davido, all played a role during uh, the recent NSARS protests, where thousands of young people took to the streets to demonstrate against police brutality. We saw Burner release a song in support of the protesters. Uh, we saw Davido lead protests in Abuja. Wizkid appeared in a protest in London. Um, and their efforts were certainly welcomed by the community. Um, and I think that, you know, especially people across the diaspora, you know, they also want to be clued in on the social issues going on in uh, countries across the region. Okay, so I, there's this question that I have that, is sort of a burning question for me that I've been thinking about a lot, which is that I see the term Afrobeats being used to refer to just like honestly pop music from Africa, any part of Africa. And I'm wondering, like, is that is that problematic? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, it's something that uh, African countries have gotten used to. Um, you know, hearing their specific cultures being spoken of um, as if they're not specific to them, but instead are part of this monolith that uh, we call Africa. Whereas Afrobeats, you know, it certainly is a genre that speaks largely to Nigerian artists, um, but has a bit of a base across West Africa. And so there are certainly lots of incredible music scenes around the region. We're seeing a rise in Ama Piano, which originated in South Africa, but, you know, it's a, as I said, you know, it's a frustration that African countries have had to deal with um, pretty much since the first set of colonialists arrived on the continent back in 1884. Okay. So it's okay to use the term Afrobeats as long as you're actually talking about Afrobeats. Exactly. You know, this is really helpful for me to hear because from from my perspective, right, I have a Caribbean background. And if I ever heard somebody refer to all the music from the Caribbean just as Caribbean music, that would be very frustrating for me, right? Because reggae is not Calypso, is not Soca. Um, although Soca and Calypso are related, very closely related, you know? But it, it just, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it's like to be an artist in the extremely vast continent of Africa and to have everything suddenly fall under this umbrella term. 
And you actually wrote a whole book about this. It's called Africa is Not a Country. Yes, I did. Um, The book is a portrait of modern Africa that tries to push back against many of the harmful stereotypes we've come to know about Africa um, to tell a more comprehensive story. Um, You know, if you ask most people to picture Africa in their minds, they'll think of two things, uh, poverty or safari, um, where there is so much more uh, to this region of 54 countries, 1.4 billion people, and over 2,000 languages. And, you know, one of the things that Afrobeats has done um, for Nigeria is that it's given a lot of Nigerian artists the opportunity to travel the world and to represent their specific culture. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, you know, a lot of other African musicians are not allowed to do that because they are um, put under this umbrella term of Afrobeats, uh, rather than being given the the freedom and the platform to really represent their own country. Um, and so what my book tries to do is it tries to fill in the gaps, um, tries to get people to really think about this region, uh, not as a place of predetermined destinies of just nonstop suffering and pain, um, but of a place of thousands, if not millions of different cultures and belief systems uh, that do not all align in the same direction. Got it. So your book is working to highlight the countries themselves within this huge continent and putting a spotlight on their individual cultures. And one of the best ways that you can see that is through the success of their music. In music, you know, how do we define success? Is it defined by, you know, playing Madison Square Garden or being appreciated by an American audience? Um, Is it by winning Grammys? Is it by, you know, where you place on the Billboard charts? And I think this is a conversation that, you know, has been happening across the region. Um, But I think one thing that's been so important about Afrobeats is that it is so ingrained in the culture that artists have been able to really enjoy their successes way before, um, you know, white audiences and in America, um, Mm -hmm. you know, started to listen. When your music is so attached to your community, um, it becomes incredibly, uh, it becomes incredibly easy to really feel validated just by seeing uh, your music played locally on radio stations mm-hmm. hearing uh hearing it you know knowing it is played in schools uh and at weddings which is a huge uh cultural <laughs> center in nigeria but also you know w- when we look at it as well there are so many diasporic scenes across the world that it's not only america that artists are looking at you know uh i'm in london at the moment um london has one of the strongest uh, West African and Nigerian communities, if not the strongest West African and Nigerian community in the world. And it has really helped to act as a platform to spread Afrobeats around the world, um, you know, way before, you know, the Grammy started paying attention. So do you think this kind of success, the, the, the rise of Afrobeats having its own billboard chart, being recognized at the Grammys over and over and over again, um, do you think that kind of success is, is going to last? What, what is the future of Afrobeats? I imagine it will last. You know, artists are just getting stronger and stronger. Um, and it may not be necessarily Afrobeats. You know, we're seeing a lot of other um, young musicians coming through, um, creating new sounds and, and new cultural movements, not just in music, but we see it in fashion. Um, we see it in filmmaking, photography, So, you know, one thing that 
we know because it's always been the case is that you know great creatives will come out of the continent um and we will continue to be recognized for that whether that's something that's recognized and appreciated by white audiences you know you never know but one thing that afrobeats has done is that it has shown that that's not what truly the matters you know if you speak to your own people um if you if your focus is repping who you are in your own culture um then you know your own community uh will carry you to success whatever that means mm. and this capturing of of a white western audience's attention i feel like i know the answer to this question given everything you've just said now but um do you think that it'll have a large impact do you think that it's a, a good thing a bad thing i think it's always fun to win a grammy um, I think most artists will say, you know, they're having a good time. But uh, I have absolutely no doubt that from what we've seen so far, um, that, you know, Afrobeat artists will not ultimately choose to pander to uh, white audiences. Um, I think that they will, they have seen um, the power of being loved and appreciated by the Nigerian community and the Afrobeats community um, and how they have lifted them up to the success that they've seen. I'm not too concerned that, um, you know, ultimately they will choose to uh, try and soften their, um, to soften their sound for Western audiences. You know, I think that they've seen how they've been praised for their authenticity um, and how that is truly what, has attracted such global audiences. And, you know, I think that that authenticity um, will survive well into the future. Deepo, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about the history of Afrobeat and Afrobeats. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure being here. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode was produced by Adriana Rodriguez and Stephanie Karayuki. Depot's book, Africa is Not a Country, is out now in the UK and will be out in September in the US. This episode also had inspiration from another book, A Quick Ting on Afrobeats by Christian Adolfo. Make sure to check that out, too. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Sam Greenspan. Our supervising producers are Ashley Cleek and Stephanie Karayuki. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Mixing by Evan Sutton. Our executive producer is Adiza Egan. And the VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zimros. If you have some time this week, it'd be so great if you could go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and take the time to rate and review our podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. 
Vice News reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.